0: Thank you. The concern
1: I have with uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon, Rodney King, all the the individuals uh, in Omaha, we you know we had Will Brown who had been lynched in the early nineteen or the late nineteen teens, um, and and so you know you you make you're making reference to social media and video and images, but to be honest with you, just tying a thread between all of these incidences in which um, in my opinion there's injustices being committed based off of race um, this is this is more American than apple pie um, and so my initial reaction when I saw it it was troubling to me not necessarily because of the imagery itself but I have, unfortunately, seen multiple incidences that happen weekly, not as graphic, but people being pulled out of Waffle Houses, kids being dragged out of swimming pools by law enforcement or people that act in the name of law and order. My social media is constantly bombarded with images and video similar to that of Ahmad Arbery. Again not always as graphic and not always as volatile in in this case leading to the death of an individual but still i was most upset about the fact of my reaction to it which was you know another um another one another person another individual to add to the long list of um this this country's history of of the complete disposal of black bodies and so that, that part jarred me. My reaction to it jarred me more so than anything. And, and I don't know. I was kind of, I've been hearing and getting contacts from individuals that have been doing some things to mobilize um, around this issue, but it, it is no different. I know, to me, it's on the same spectrum of what has now come, come to be known as Barbecue Becky, uh, who was out of Oakland um that was causing a fuss when there were black people that were barbecuing outdoors um and, and took it upon herself to feel that that was wrong or there was another case and it may have been in the bay area as well to where some african-american kids were trying to either sell water or lemonade on the streets and somebody a white lady or a white gentleman i think it was a white lady in this case called the police saying that they didn't have a permit to be selling selling water or lemonade, which is, you know, something that all kids do uh, or a lot of kids do just to kind of explore and tip their foot, tip their toe into entrepreneurship. So I, um, I see it along that same spectrum of just the, the policing of black bodies and the, the ability or the thoughts of some white people in our country to where they believe that they are endowed with this ability to take into possession the livelihood and, in this case, life of Black people upon their whim. The context that I was in at that moment, right? I had been following and having conversations with my closest friends about just this this backlash of people having to go without being in social spaces to protect the common good from COVID-19. It started off interestingly where to where one of my friends from college had sent me a meme. It was something along the lines of, black people that had been incarcerated that were free um, that were at home and how comfortable that they were during the the shutdown because they had been used to not being able to go anywhere and so freed ex-cons or uh freed people who have been in in prison at home twiddling their thumbs basically like what's the fuss about as other people uh, other black folks were concerned about not being able to do this and that, right? And so the conversation kind of started from there. Then it turned into just kind of watching not just Black folks respond to COVID-19, but just in general, the, the country started to have these protests um, and marches on state capitals and um, demanding that the country or that the states reopen. And just watching the, the indignation of the people that were protesting be so upset about I can't get my hair done, so upset about I can't get my nails done, you know, I can't go to the bar, you know, all these just these liberties that are so trivial. But that's my perspective, right? So it's trivial to me. It's not a big deal to me when those liberties have been taken away from some folks, because you know, my perspective is okay. So what, right? I'm an asthmatic. I'm trying to stay alive. So if you shut down bars and people can't get pedicures and manicures or whatever, then if that's going to help my asthmatic life be a little bit longer, then yeah, shut it down. It's interesting to see people who don't necessarily feel like this is something that, that's going to be problematic for them, like just go crazy and be furious about such things that are so small to me, and so. In the context of having conversations about who was the largest group of protesters, there's diversity within those crowds, but it's largely white folks that were up in arms, literally, about states being closed. I started having conversations with my friends about, man, why is it so difficult for these protesters to, to just kind of suck it up for a little bit just to get by? And a friend of mine, and so this is not my thought, but this is just how he he explained it to me, he said, Black bodies have been restricted in space forever. We're taught as Black people how to, like our mannerisms that can be perceived as aggressive to avoid using those mannerisms, right? So if you're pulled over by a police officer, your hands need to be here, your eyes need to be here, your voice needs to be this, your body language in general, right? Your body is policed and, you know, you're told not just on the the micro level, but even like this is your side of the city that you can live on as opposed to all of the city. You're told that, you know, these are the colleges that you are able to go to, or you're told all of these things like that are so restrictive about your body, or even just how to interact with your teacher when you're a kindergartner, or the type of hair that you're allowed to wear, or the type of hat, or how your hat needs to be placed on your head. I mean, it's just to the smallest degree of being corrected and told how to manage yourself as an individual. When you're told by the government to stay home, then it's not as problematic for you to stay home because you've been told by social structures and social norms that you can and can't do things all throughout your entire life. And so for those that have not had to come under that same type of structure, right? So for people who don't have to live with limits uh, to be then now told that they have to obey laws and ordinances, now you can understand where that anger and that frustration may come from because if you've been told your whole life that you are free to do whatever you want and you don't have to think about anything largely because of your privilege and now all of a sudden you're being told, hey, six feet, you're being told, hey, wash your hands 20 seconds say the alphabet. So all of these rules and procedures for how to go about living your life, those things could be frustrating for someone who hasn't had to adjust to living like that their entire life. It's interesting to see how that frustration then can come through When you've had to live that way for a month and a half, two months, imagine your entire life. And so I had already been having these conversations about the restrictions around blackness uh, and black bodies in this country and in in social structures, uh, and then a reminder of just going out to jog, right? Just going out for a run. You're already, I'm already in the midst of thinking about the privileges that some have and the, the, the obstacles that others have, right? And so then you get this boom. This guy is trying to keep himself healthy. This guy is doing the same thing that countless numbers of other people do every single day. You know, he had to think about the route that he was taking. He had to think about the neighborhoods that he was going through, just to make sure he had familiarity. He had to think about what time of day that he was going to go for these runs. He had to think about a lot of different things to prepare. But to be honest with you, you think about the worst, but you don't probably imagine the situation to where you're being trucked down and shot as you go for a run because you're being accused of something that you have no idea of what they're talking about, right? So you're being accused of being a trespasser or stealing in a situation where you're like, trespass where, stole what? And so that's, that's your death. That's your death. The judgment has come down by two people in a split second that had the access to the firearm within their rights, right within their rights to hold and control. And they decided at that moment that it was time for you to be off the planet. It was time for your spirit to go meet your ancestors. And that was their choice. And not only was it their choice, but as it was, brought to to those who have control of the situation, right? It's brought to the laws, as it's brought to law enforcement and to the criminal justice system. They then chose to hide the truth. They then told they then chose to tell your mother they chose to tell your mother that you had been invading their home which was not true, right? The police told his mother, that he invaded these people's homes and that they were defending themselves against him. So not only was the video hidden, but the truth in the moment was decided to be hidden from the populace. And so I sit there and I'm looking at this and I'm getting a real quick understanding of the story within a day or two. And and, and I'm not moved because I know about Trayvon. I 'm not moved because, because I know about instances throughout this country's history to where this is the norm, and that was the jarring part. The jarring part was my lack of emotion. I was like I'm unbothered this is This is reading through my timeline on my Twitter feed, no different than me seeing you know a cat a cat video just'm in mean, the sickness of that of. How common I see themes of athletes doing dunks is the same frequency that I see black folks being unjustly persecuted in this country. And I can scroll by it. I can scroll by it just as easily as I can scroll by any of those trending topics that come along my timeline. And that was the part that really bothered me was that I was unbothered. Yeah. And Gina, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if numb to be I, I'm trying to think of that because it it sounds right, um, but only in the sense that only in the sense that I think of it this way, right? So there's trauma that is sedentary. There's trauma that is happening to us that we don't even realize is happening. Tanahisi Coates has this book uh, called The Water Dancer that I just, I read last year. So I was like in the second chapter and there was a part about him, uh, the character seeing his mother dancing and trying to hold on to the of his mother dancing. And I have no idea, Gina. I cannot tell you what it was about the words on that page that triggered me. But I lost a very close family member when I was 16 years old. And hearing how Coates wrote the words to describe trying to hold on to a memory that's leaving, that's fleeting, tied so much into me trying to do my best to remember my family member that passed away to where it incited something in me that rose emotion that I, be, I wept, um, I wept and I wept hard. And it was something that I wasn't even thinking about in the moment, but it triggered me. And, it, and, it, and in past, I've told myself that I needed to suppress that. I needed to kind of toughen up um, but kind of knowing and maturing over time, I realized and recognize that that was something that I needed to deal with at that moment. And it was because it had been suppressed for so very long. And so that numbness, you know, I think about when, you know, when a body, when a limb or something goes numb, eventually the feeling comes back, right? So to say that I was numb at the moment, I think is accurate because I think at some, at, at moments there are rages. At moments there are emotions that are triggered that, I may not have been upset at that moment. I might have been numb to it as I was going through the timeline on my Twitter feed. But I I know that there's going to be a time where I'm not going to want to do something for the community. There's going to be a moment where I'm going to feel like, man, look, this is enough. Um, But I know that at some point, I'm going to recall the trauma of seeing that, that man shot in the back and it's gonna motivate me, it's gonna put a fire in me to to continue to do something because he can't anymore. And that numbness that I felt at that moment is gonna flee and gonna leave space for, for that that fire and that that feeling to come back. And I'll be able to harness it then for, for something positive. I don't want it to seem like I was uh, apathetic. There's something that I see and it resonates in me, but I just, at the time, it just, I couldn't call the emotion that it warranted because, like you said there there is a certain amount of capital emotional capital that I can have within a certain day, and i I got to be careful about how I go about using it. I would just, in the case of justice being served as well as the case of representation uh I would just say, just wait a little bit um and the reason that, well and, and, and i don't I don't mean to be um you know it's just the truth at this point right and and to be you know just thinking about your. You're saying that at least a, a little bit more of accountability has been held now to the individuals who who murdered Ahmad Aubrey. Uh, kinda, right? The person that was assigned to now preside over this case is a person that has a background that is more aligned. That uh, I would not be surprised if if. This case did not go the same way as the young man in Dallas that had been shot sitting in his house eating ice cream by off-duty by a police officer when she was getting off duty. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a slightest of justice, if any, uh, was done in this particular case, just because the system does what the system does. It may take a little bit for the system to do what the system's gonna do, but it's built for. For a certain outcome, and then the same with media. Um, as you say, the initial images that were coming in were of his senior picture and of the uh, the the father and the son's mugshots. Just I think within the last couple of days, now the shoplifting that Ahmad committed three years ago is now circulating. I say just give it its time to work itself out. I do see the value in what you just said, though. I absolutely see the value in. How instantly the the story was being told, right? It it's who's telling that story, right? And so that's the other complexity of Mammy Till and in Till's body at at today is, you know, you only had a couple of outlets for which the media was utilizing to convey messages. And um today, and then and there was journalism was, you know, journalism in those days. Monetary and commodities were were a big part of Commercializing uh, television and things like that, but nowhere near to Super Bowl commercial ads like what we have today. And so there's added value in making sure that your customers are comfortable with the images that they see uh, so that your customers can continue to turn in so you can make those dollars off those commercials. And that then is the, you know, going back to something you said earlier, if journalism is one of those uh, values that we have in our country, then what, what do dollars have to do? with telling the story, right? So the narrative needs to be told dollar free the same way that as you brought up earlier campaigns and voting and and the democratic process itself also needs to be brought up dollar free. And so once you, again, for me, it really centers along that economic value that goes into our system to where our system monetizes viewership. And our system realizes that this story is going to resonate to certain people if it's told a certain way, and they'll turn into view based off of it being personified and told with a narrative that they're comfortable with. And it's the brave people in NPR, it's the brave individuals like yourself who are setting a podcast that recognize and need the need to have multiple stories being told uh, across contexts that This is what is also needed in this time and in this moment, probably more so than ever.
0: I didn't know, I didn't know that, but that's yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's to the point. That's to the point. All right. Yeah, that's not helping that
1: case. I hadn't caught that. I hadn't seen that particular video, but I think, as far as with making the case, one thing that I can offer up to, I think that is parallel, is the fact that from what I saw was that the father, who had been a police officer, had been operating without proper licensing as a uh, a law enforcement agent for a number of years prior to the actual shooting. And if you think about what the operating with impunity uh, as a law enforcement agent, even with not having the certification or licensing that is needed uh, to continue in that work, what that does to your mentality, already off the top, many people, I should say, are already in this thought of, I can do what I want. I can subjugate people to my own whims and my own wills, but you give somebody years of experience of working as a law enforcement agent without being held accountable for having appropriate licensing or, or, or certification, that in itself builds the case of why this individual felt at that moment he could change down. Ahmaud Arbery the way that he did, that he felt that he could pull that pistol out and act in a a violent manner, but he believed to be his rights, not necessarily as a gun owner, but as a person who has worked in law enforcement, uncertified, unlicensed, or otherwise. He then had the mentality that it was a reasonable action that he was taking. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing News in Context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on your favorite podcast channel. We're also on Twitter at News in Context SF, and you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.